We're in the middle of a series called Blessed Are, and it comes off of the fact that Jesus said what blessed is. We understand that blessed in this world looks a lot different than what Jesus says. And maybe even for his followers, sometimes we think what it means to be blessed is to have all of our problems wiped away like an Etch-A-Sketch. Ooh, let's just start over. But that's not what Jesus says. In this world, you have trouble, he said, but take heart, I've overcome this world. I've told you these things so in me you'd have hope. You'd have joy. And you set an example for what it means to be blessed. And so because we don't have a ton of time, I'm going to get right to what he said. Matthew 5, 1 through 5. Now these are what's called the Beatitudes. It's the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus had crowds and he had disciples. And he called people who would want to listen to him to come to him. And he's still doing that today. And if you hear him, obey him, love him, make him known. Matthew 5, 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. A couple weeks ago, we looked at that. Poverty of spirit isn't, oh, woe is me, or, you know, no money. I'm just so poor, I can't afford an R. Oh, God then loves me. No, it's like recognizing that you need Jesus, recognizing that he's God and you're not, recognizing that you're spiritually bankrupt, but he's not, and he loves you so much that he paid for you, just like we read on that ABC prayer. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is eternity. Theirs is life forever because they recognize they need Jesus for it. Now in verse 4, he says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Last week, we talked about a lot of different grieving, the mourning over sin and our sin and the effects of it for sure, and that we would be comforted that he would come alongside of us, that he would live in us through his Holy Spirit, that he would counsel us, that he would definitely comfort, but he would also convict us. It's a gift to actually know that you don't have it all together, and whatever it might take to get you to that point is not bigger than Jesus. And so today, we're looking in verse 5 of the other things that he said. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We're looking at blessed meekness. Can we right now, right where we're at, whatever it is that you understand about that word, because we just don't use that word very much, what does it mean to be meek, or what does meekness mean? What do you... What do you understand about that? What's that? Humility. Humility. Outstanding. What else? Not a me first mentality. mentality. I have a dear friend, Max, who's just a wonderful man, been through a whole lot. He has an after you mentality. Like, you know, not just opening the door. And I had a lady one time say, are you opening that because I'm a woman? I'm like, no, I'm trying to be a gentleman. You know, I want to. Open the door for you. I open it for adult males as well. And they give me the look, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. Or they're like, thanks. I'm like, you bet. You look super weak. No, I'm just kidding. That's that's not not how it goes. It's not how it goes. I don't. I didn't. Uh, But I, I mean, legitimately, people like you do something nice for people and they freak out. Sometimes. Not always. What else? What does meekness mean? What does it mean to be meek? Humble, not a me first mentality. 
Quiet. Knowing you don't have all the answers. Whew. Yeah, now Jesus, or even most of them, Jesus is the perfect example of meekness, and he did have all the answers. But for us, that's part of our meekness. You guys, how many horse people do we have? I don't mean you're half horse and half person. That's just weird. Like, you're into horses. I, got, I know I have some people here. All right. So you guys might understand that horses have to be broke, right? What else? What do you understand about that? Horse people, explain it to us really quick. Why do you have to break a horse? Does it mean you get on their back and just crush them? I mean, what happens with that? Say it again. You tame them. So they're wild. What else? Yes, ma'am. Nice. Trust and relationship. They submit. What are, if, say a, a horse has to be broken. What does that mean? Do you break the will but not the spirit? In the Bible, this word for meek, preus, not Prius, don't get it twisted. <laughs> but it means gentleness, humility, power under control. I have a granddaughter named Josie who I have the honor of going over and hanging out with them most Wednesday nights and trying to get them to sleep. Really the big challenge is trying to stay awake for me. But I was next to them and I was reading and she's like, Papa, what happened to your hair? And at that moment, I had to exercise meekness. I was like, I'm going to show you what happened to my hair. But she put her little hand in mine when we were praying, and it's power under control. I don't need to crush her. I'm like, this is my hair, huh? Some guys waste their hormones for growing hair. I've still got a muscle. Jesus is power under control. He's gentleness. He's patience. He has the right and the power to do something, to crush us. And instead, he laid down his life for us. He's a perfect example of blessed meekness. Jesus is indeed so perfect that the reason that he came was for us. Glorify his Father, to be sure, but he came to set us free that would listen and that would pay attention. The way he came as a baby, that's meek. The interactions that he had with people, he was meek. There was this woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. She had massive, massive problems. She spent all of her money on doctors And instead of getting better, she got worse. And she heard about Jesus and that he could be the Messiah. And he's a healer and he's amazing. And maybe this is the one. And she's like, he can heal me. And she broke with protocol. She wasn't supposed to be around other people because she was ceremonially unclean because of the issue of blood. And she goes to this crowded area where Jesus was at. And she, again, wasn't supposed to be there And with fear and with trembling, she reaches out and she touches the hem of his cloak. 
his garment. Some people are like, oh, it's so cool, and the little knots that are on there, and it's the, the Torah, and it's the, there's a corner, and there's healing. Yes, all that. Whether she was thinking all that or not, she was in desperate need. And she broke with how it was supposed to be done. And she reached out and she just touched the corner of his garment. And the power went from him. And healed her on the spot. And Jesus said, somebody touched me. And Peter's like, somebody who didn't touch you. It's a crowd. And in meekness, Jesus didn't crush this woman. He asked so she could come forward. And she was scared when she came forward. And she goes, it was me. And she explained it. And he said, daughter, not sucks to be you. Nobody touches me without my permission. The power that he had, he served and he gave. He said, your faith in me has made you well. I mean, he identifies her as daughter. She was no longer sick, no longer unclean, and he never got unclean. That's just one example of many of this amazing Jesus. Here's something that he said about himself. As a matter of fact, we're going to Matthew 11, 28 through 30. This is the one time he says what his heart is like. Lots and lots of explanation of his grace, his kindness, even that story of the woman with the issue of blood, a woman who was caught in adultery, a woman that was at a a well in the middle of the day because she had had lots of men in her life and the man she was with wasn't her husband and he loved on her. He loved on this young man who was a rich ruler and had all kinds of authority and he came up and he bows to Jesus, and Jesus says, look, man, all you need is to give up all your stuff because it's in the way. Come follow me, and you have treasure in heaven. He loved him. He didn't crush him, but the guy went away crushed because he loved his stuff more. Jesus is so kind, so compassionate, so holy, so terrifyingly holy, and yet he humbled himself. This is meekness. But this is where he says what his heart is like. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, burdened, weighed down, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Yoke in this culture wasn't just oxen yoke. It was his teaching. He's take and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly or humble, meek in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Really quick, where are they going to find it? Amen. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All these people are telling you all these different things. I've summarized all of it to this. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. These are my teachings. This is what his heart's like. Guys, you remember the story that Jesus is telling about this lost son who couldn't wait for his dad to die because that's too long to wait for his inheritance. So he says, hey, will you give me my inheritance? You're better off to me dead, but, you know, I can't kill you, so will you give me my money? And he does, and his son gets all of his stuff together, and he goes off, and he blows it in nasty living. 
And the dad doesn't go chase him, but the dad looks down the hall over and over and over again for him. Not down the hall, sorry, I was just looking out there, but down the big road. And he longs for his son to come back. And finally, he sees his son. And he runs to him. The son tries to give him his, research, or his, uh, his speech, his rehearsed speech, and he can't even get halfway through it. And he hugs him. And he kisses him. I've been teaching for a long time that you and I need to repent. And it's true because it's in the word. God tells this story through his son Jesus of the meekness of God who he's not expecting all of everything to be right in a row. He's just expecting to come back to him. And when you do, I've got you. I love you. I want you. I paid for you to be able to come back. The guy knew that his dad was good in this story in Luke 15. And so he's like, gosh, I can't be my dad's son anymore, but I could be a hired hand, and they got leftover food. I'll just go back and say I can't be his son. You guys, this is the kindness. This is the compassion. He says, come, take, learn, find in me. And he's approachable. So often we've made church and we've made Jesus so either way too close, like, oh, he just doesn't care. Patrick just said it. He cared so much that he took it on himself and died for us. He died as us, church. And yet you've got to receive that. You've got to identify and you've got to recognize. And you keep doing that, not so you can be saved, but so you live this out. You walk this out. You learn from him. You find that rest for your soul. But the world's going to hell in a handbasket. It sure is. We have rest in Jesus. We're just saying that he sets a table for us in the presence of our enemies. That's weird. You can see what's happening right now in the Middle East. You can see what's happening in Sudan. You can see what's happening in parts of Asia where people are fighting. Do you imagine right there in the middle of the battle, they have a place to rest and eat? His name is Jesus, church. Friend, he wants us and he calls us. But we've got to have that poverty of spirit. We've got to mourn sin, not celebrate it. Nah, don't worry about it. You just have fun. Get it out of your system. And then we're meek. God's people are meek. We're humble. We're like Jesus. One more thing about Jesus out of his own mouth. Mark 10, 45. I don't know if you guys know this, but my daughter, Analia, 13-year-old up there, she's number 10, and she just prayed for her brother, which I'm thankful you did that. It helps me remember there's miracles that are happening every day. I know you love him. It's just hard to see sometimes. But we almost, I wanted, if she was going to be a boy, I would have named her Mark 10 from this right here, and Kathy would have been like, then you give birth to him, because it's not going to happen. <laughs> so God knew, and we got a girl. Thank you, Jesus. Analia. But Mark 10, 45. Jesus is even the Son of Man, the Messiah of the world, came not to be served, but to serve, 
and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is meekness. This is Jesus. Philippians 2, 4 through 11 was a song that people sang, and it was about Jesus. Listen to this. I'm not going to sing it because I don't know the melody, but I'm going to read it. Philippians 2, 4 through 11. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind, or as it says in the NIV, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be held onto, to be grasped, to take advantage of it. You guys remember what happened when Peter, like Paul just talked about this last week for us during communion. Peter reached out, cuts off the ear of the servant of the high priest. And what did Jesus say? Nice shot, Pete. He's like, this isn't what we came for. Don't you think that I could call 12 legions of angels right now? This is to fulfill what I came for. I didn't come to shove this down everybody's throat. I came to set people free that would be free. He does come the next time. And at the end of this song, you hear what he comes like, and it's not meekness anymore. Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by making or by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that's above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen and amen. He is coming back, and it's no longer meekness when he comes back, but until then, you and I can choose. You and I have been given the grace of God to be able to have our eyes open and our hearts open. And we don't understand all of it. We don't necessarily even agree sometimes with all of it. But we know that he's God and we're not. We've got that poverty of spirit. We mourn sin. We don't celebrate it. And then we live out the meekness that Jesus actually lived out as a supermodel for us. He's a perfect example of all of this. So he's our example. He's who we want to be like. It's Christ-likeness. It's being made holy. I'm holy, so you be holy. I can't do that on myself. That's right. You need me, but you got to choose. How many days are you supposed to take up your cross, church, deny yourself, and follow him? Sundays, right? Right. Every day. Boy, that, I'm going to need Jesus for that because, boy, there was a day, and they were acting like this, and I knew this, and I didn't get sleep. Take up your cross. Deny yourself and follow him. That is good news, but it's hard news. You and I get to be meek. We get to be power under control. We get to have the right to do something and the power to do it, but instead we choose to humble ourselves on behalf of somebody else. Parenting anybody? Marriage? Work? Driving in the Puget Sound? Yeah. 
going to Seattle thinking you're going to have a good time and coming back and your car has been ransacked, if it's even still there. So that's hard news, and it's good news. The last part is it is that you? <laughs> You're a little bored over there, Damon. What's up? <laughs> that's the guy that puts me to sleep every night. I listen to him at night. The good news is, Jesus says, the meek shall inherit the earth. That is weird in our culture. Meek don't seem to really inherit much but knuckle sandwiches. And if you don't know what that is, John will show you out there. (laughs) What does inherit the earth mean? Plain and simple, Jesus said in Revelation 21 that there will be a new heaven and new earth and everything will be restored and his people will be there dwelling with him and it will all be good. This isn't already, not yet. You've been given the authority. You've been given the amazing power and the glory of Jesus Christ to live in right here and right now. But not to dominate people, to serve them, to love them, to point them to Jesus. This goes way back for them when he would say, inherit the earth. Go back with me to Psalm 37 really quick. It is a wonderful psalm. Please read the whole thing in Psalm 73 while you're at it. I'm going to skip over the ones that are so popular and well-known, like delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Oh, I know. I'm a Christian and God gives me my wish list. That's all about you. Delight yourself in the Lord. He gives you more of himself. That's the victory. That's what we delight in. And he gives you tons of other things. But he's the gift. But we're going to go to Psalm 37, 9 through 11, and then fast forward to verse 29. Psalm 37, actually 8 through 11, I'm sorry. Here's a little of how to live meek. You've got the Holy Spirit in you. He's going to be calling you to this. You get to choose this. You get to walk it out, and then you get to see what the victory is in it. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Amen. And just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he won't be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Again, his name is Jesus. And then verse 29, the righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. There's a little time, there's suffering, and our lifetime seems like a long time, and it's the only life you've physically known. But it's short in comparison to forever. This forever is heaven. This forever is separation from God if you're not his. And so if you are his, difficulty, challenge, humility, meekness, is here, and you inherit the land. If we go back to what Jesus said about separation in Matthew 25 as a reminder of a series that was wonderful and powerful and motivated me to not sit around about Halloween and hope that people would tell people about Jesus, like, to come up with this, 
is God instigating us for his glory and for his kingdom because there is a forever. And some people are going to forever be separated. And some, the meek, those who humble themselves, those who recognize that Jesus is good and God are going to live forever. We inherit this place the way it was supposed to be. You're just passing through right now, but one day it's going to be restored. New is almost a misnomer. It's going to be the way it was supposed to be. But it would be new to us because we've never seen that before. But in Matthew 25, 34, Jesus says this for us. And the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Blessed meekness is a gift from Jesus. It's a modeled lifestyle from Jesus. It's not just something you put on on Sundays or when you're around people that you're trying to impress or when you think Jesus is looking because, baby, he's looking all the time. He sees it all, friends. And he calls us to be humble and to be gentle, to have power but have it under control, harness the abilities and the strengths and the gifts that he's given for the glory of his kingdom. Yeah, but how much money will I make? Wrong question. Yeah, but how many people are going to like me? Wrong question. That's not meekness. That's pride. And it's super easy to get there. This is, a, again, a difficult message for me to preach because I don't always understand meekness and I don't have a whole lot that should make me prideful. I have an amazing wife. I have wonderful kids and grandkids. I love this job that God has given me. But all of it is from him. What should make me think, oh, I'm a great big deal. I'm bigger than I've ever been. I have a friend who's sitting here with us today that patted me on my belly and goes, What's this? I was like, an aim to get better. But it's not me. It's Jesus. It's not you. It's Jesus. It's not about us, but he includes us. It's all about Jesus. He's the meekness. He's who we follow and who we get to be like. And his spirit promises that that will happen. So how do you move towards Jesus? The first step that I think some of you are getting tired of because you've heard this every week, but every week we have people that haven't taken this step. So please allow yourself to be meek when you hear this. Acknowledge Jesus' meekness, that he came for you. He who knew no sin became your sin. Confess that he's the Lord and you're not. Repent, believe, and be saved from his wrath. Because, again, he doesn't come back. Hi, guys. He comes back as the judge and the redeemer for those who would be redeemed. For many of you, you've already done that. You've already confessed. You believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you're saved. But you've been coasting, and t- times are not for coasting. <laughs> not anymore. They never really were. Remember who he is. 
and remember whose you are. Your step closer to Jesus is to follow his example and choose meekness. Many of you actually are starting to live like that and you love that and you're, you're humbling yourself and you're taking quick repentance and opportunities to turn, but you have been keeping the good news to yourself. You're a city set on a hill. You're an example, but it's time to open your mouth. It's time to take strides. It's time to step up and to step out. So for you, you need to ask Jesus for wisdom. You need to ask him for discernment. You need to ask him for courage to engage meekness as a lifestyle and to articulate Jesus' meekness to a broken world. I'm, I'm down. Just let her keep going. I love every bit of it. <laughs> Share the story of Jesus and his meekness with people who haven't come to him yet and invite them to come to him. And if that's weird for you and hard for you, then on Halloween, start by doing this. Jesus loves you. Please read this. Please don't throw it away. You guys, wipe us out so we have to go over to the office and get more and bring them here. It's worth it. It is a, a level of meekness because you're going to be considered. Uh, dude, I literally have watched people walk down my stairs. They're just Five feet away from me, you're like, that was corny, but they're giving out full candy bars. I'm like, God bless you. Jesus loves you. Hope you don't trip. <laughs> no, seriously, I'm going to turn the lights off and see what happens. But I'm a work in progress. <laughs> Let's pray. <laughs> Father, you're awesome in every way, so good and so gracious and so kind and so generous and so holy and so amazing and so right. Would you have your way in us and through us? Would we not be the kind of people that shrink back, but we would step up and we would plant seeds and we would water and we would see things that just don't go well as an opportunity to trust you for better. And then we'd see things that go well and not take credit for it, but celebrate with you that we could be in the business of our master who is making people whole again. God, may you be the kind of master and the kind of meekness that motivates us to be meek and to point them to you. God, I pray for eyes and ears and hearts to open. I pray that people would be saved, that people would live it, and they would help others to be saved. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.